It's a complex world, but you don't have to be an expert or an academic to understand it. These are those late night buzz conversations about politics, culture, art, philosophy, and religion, just trying to make sense of it all. To break out the hard stuff, because we're breaking down the hard stuff. We're figuring it out too. We're not experts, just normal people. Still more efficient than the uh, F-35, so you got that going for you. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Far more efficient than Just the F-35. Just get taxpayers to pay for it and it'll be fine. Um, the or, F-35 yeah. that we are commissioning to fight the coronavirus now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Is that what Kodak is doing? Actually, is, are they are they putting like ultraviolet ultraviolet laser beams on the F thirty five and then having it fly over people's yep. homes and just blast? Fuck, I feel like that'd be more useful than what it does now. Your house to kill the coronavirus, <laughs> it would probably be more useful than whatever the fuck it is that they're doing. I don't know. Uh, it would at the very yeah. least would be cooler. Yeah, has anyone resilient. actually? That's for sure. Has anyone actually figured out why Kodak is suddenly involved in the coronavirus? Like, what? I have to admit, I have no fucking clue what's going on because I've been staying the hell away from Twitter for the past uh, few weeks. Aside from like the occasional pop in, it's, it's you, been, you pop in, drop some wisdom, and then and disappear. Then I leave, so and that I way, you can see what what anger I, I can't so <laughs> as a as a quick catch up, as a quick catch em up, if you will. Um, our current president has decided that Kodak is important to the fight on coronavirus and threatened them with the wartime act from the Korean War. I forgot the name of the act, but essentially saying ramp up production or we're going to threaten you. I don't know. He's claiming he's threatening people with it. And all of a sudden, Kodak is like, fine, we're going to make supplies for coronavirus. Now, the camera company. Okay, Kodak. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Kodak. Kodak. That's what's what? up. Yeah, I heard Kodak, Kodak, and I was like, I yeah. don't know what the company. I'm like, I know what a Kodak is. I don't know what. No, 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 no. Sorry, that's that's my Midwestern twang. <laughs> it's, uh, We're all Midwesterners Kodak. here. I just, I guess, I'm too used to it. <laughs> right, <Bye>. Kodak. <laughs> right. I think it's just nostalgia. This is just same shameless nostalgia. Like Donald Trump remembers, as many of us do from our youth, no doubt, uh, those little wind-up cameras back when mm-hmm. we didn't have cameras just in all of our pockets. Right. The little disposable things <laughs> that made that sweet little whining sound when you mm-hmm. charged the battery. And he just wants to play with one of those again. So it's like, fucking, we're initiating the <laughs> right. defense but production act. Uh, it's not the wheel. It's the carousel. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, I, I think um, it's pretty clear that Donald Trump is finally having his Kodak moment. Uh, welcome to normal people. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm James Trinkle here in Austin, Texas. I'm Hans Jaeger out here in Indianapolis. Ben Grimes also in Austin, Texas. And Adam Bailey in Austin, Texas. So uh, the topic today is whatever the hell we want to talk about. This is kind of a soft reboot. We have uh, been interrupted by the forces of life and work, um, respectively. And so we're coming back, we're recording, and this is kind of a a touch base, uh, sort of a get to know you a little bit more. I think I'm sure the the audience would appreciate a chance to kind of hear a little bit more about how things are going in our lives insofar as they give a damn at all about the show. If you're listening to it this far, hopefully you do care about the people who are actually recording <laughs> the show. Otherwise, what is wrong with you? Uh, yeah. But uh, then we're going to get back into the regular schedule of uh, talking on some of these topics, you know, political, cultural, uh, social, otherwise. Um, really, one of the things that we've been talking about is we want to 
take this normal people concept, the idea that we're not experts, we're just normal people like you, and help translate some of these kind of highfalutin book learning words and phrases and concepts and put them into things that, you know, uh, hopefully uh, digestible terms, that is to say. Um, and so we're going to do our best um, trying to take I'm, everything. I'm from, only OK though. Go ahead. If, if we continue to translate highfalutin concepts and you're going to do the translation, I'm only OK if you continue to talk like log, uh, Leghorn Foghorn, Foghorn Leghorn. That's his actual <laughs> name. If you continue to talk that way, that's the only way I want these concepts translated. <laughs> Otherwise, Leghorn Foghorn is the mirror universe evil Foghorn <laughs> right. Leghorn who right. him and may right. also be Kevin Spacey. Right. We can't prove that he's not. So. I, say, I say I put him in the agonizer now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, our, our show won't usually be that dark, but I mean. Right. I think we're not afraid to go there. That's also a part of our charm. <laughs> right. And I think it's also important here to frame, you know, who we are and what we're about. Like, in essence, the way I think we've talked about this show, what we're really looking to do here is make a podcast about culture and politics for the rest of us. There is a lot that we just kind of take for granted in the discourse, you know, like capital D discourse, like all these words hang get on, thrown around. Can you explain what the discourse is to me real quick, Ben? It just... You know, assume I don't know anything That's about what like an epic five parter coming down the road. I would imagine, but I mean, <laughs> moving along from there, I think that there are a lot of things that we just kind of accept at face value, and like we're not here to say that like ah everybody's lying to you all the time and so forth. That's not the idea. It's just that there is this general, I think, illiteracy about basic political terms and concepts and philosophies and ideas, and there is essentially a pundit class in America that kind of profits off of that illiteracy and extends it as far as they can. Like, they really kind of don't want you to know. This is why when you're around the dinner table at Thanksgiving, like, your uncle just legitimately believes that Barack Obama was a socialist or whatever, um, is that um, even if liberals and leftists don't get along, even if people um, in the Democratic Party don't understand their conservative relatives for varying reasons, like, these are ideas that have actual definitions there right. are actual concepts behind them at work and i think a part of what we're about here is helping you understand that or helping to navigate that um in an environment that hopefully that same uncle um can listen to and go huh okay so that's what this means or that's that's what uh or that rat bastard rush was lying to me <laughs> like ideally that's where i think we want to go but sure. um you know i think that's kind of our mission here yeah, and I would also extend that a bit further in that as we talk about this, you know, we've said it a million times, we're not experts. So if we get something wrong, let us know. Tell us tell us your side of it as well. That's kind of what we're after here is hearing all these points of views. We're doing our best to translate, but of course, we're going to get it wrong sometimes as well. And that's OK. I think one of the big things, at least for me, is. I also want to start seeing a culture where people can own up to mistakes and it's okay to change opinions without you just being, oh, you're a two-faced lying whatever because you have shifted opinions because you have new new information on a previous issue. Yeah. You know, and if we can totally. kind of start working towards something yeah. like that, I think that'd be pretty cool. And I, I, on top of that, I'd say that one of the things that's really annoying to me and very disturbing to me and that I think social media has helped to accelerate is this like, oh, my God, the latest trendy thing it, uh, topic it is out. And now you have to have an opinion on it. If you don't take a stand, a moral stand on this issue, which you may know nothing about, then you will be held 
in contempt of court for not having an opinion. <laughs> Damn you, sir, right. for not uh, not caring. You don't care about people because you yes. didn't post the thing. You needed to post right. the thing in solidarity, even if you don't <laughs> know what the fuck is happening. You're kind of expected right. to do it. And, and if you won't post the thing without encapsulating everything, all the nuances that goes into it, then you just right. don't care enough. And that happens and, on both sides of the aisle. It is so maddeningly... Oh, just insane. It, it, it degrades. <laughs> it degrades ideas. It actually makes people stupid because you have to make a decision without thinking. And you should always have the room to think and the room to doubt. I mean, it's something I've said recently. I mean, it's something that I feel like I've believed for a long time. But, you know, I, on Twitter recently, I've been saying it more often because I think people need to reminded that uh Doubt is sacred. Skepticism is sacred. Having the ability to say, uh, I don't know, is OK. Even if even if it's about something that has a moral dimension to it, you don't have to have an opinion. Uh, if you're not if you haven't fully formed your opinion on X or Y or Z subject, that's fine. And hopefully normal people is a place where you can go to learn more about it without feeling like you're judged. If you swing one way or the other on a particular topic, we just want to dig into it. We want to understand the meat of these things. And we're all just working through this, too, because we're not taking that expert stand. We're taking the, the normal person stand. And hopefully uh, that welcomes you in. Well, and uh, to kind of get out ahead too, where somebody might go, hey, this sounds like this might be kind of like a centrist show. Or what are you guys doing with that? Bloody centrist, you fit really... sitting son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's right. We're here to straddle the line and nothing else. That's no, right. It's, we it's will not, never not take a... a hard line yeah. on any positions ever. <laughs> right or wrong. You have to opinions are like the, we definitely agree with you or or your enemies and nothing else. No, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that. Like, real life is messy and complicated and and I think to kind of, again, get out of that um, that kind of framing, if anybody's out there thinking that right now, uh, the, the truth of the matter is, hey, you know what? They, there are actual bad ideas out there. There are bad ideas. There are bad ideologies that should go away, that should vanish, that should die. And the reality is, if you want to fight those, if you want to change those, it's important that you know what they are. And to that end, it's important that you be able to define them, you know, know your enemy, not just in this sense that you understand how they think or what their strategies are, but you know the just the flat definitions of the things you're against. Like, that's important. I think there is a tendency to lump bad ideologies in together and like, you know, whatever it is online, whether it's like Nazis or TERFs or whatever the whatever the, the bad guys on the Internet are like, we know these are distinct ideological groups you know like there may be crossover between some ideologies yeah but that doesn't mean they aren't distinct entities and if you don't treat them like they are it's actually harder to fight all of them knowing what things really are is important it really does matter and i think kind of drilling down to the truth like oh it's like hey what are these ideas what are these concepts uh, and understanding why people fall into them, it, it matters a lot because the other thing is bad ideas aren't just things people believe in because there's a whole bunch of like snidely whiplash types out there <laughs> or like Dr. Doom just in his, I, I, you know, I secret see the term lair going. sociopath thrown around willy nilly. Oh, God. Yeah. It just yeah, yeah, me. Everybody, see. everybody's a sociopath these yeah. days. And it's just it's 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 nonsense. It's it's not realistic. Pro like, tip. The reality of the matter is if somebody disagrees with your politics 
99.99999 times out of 10. They are not a sociopath. They just have a different opinion, which I know is really hard to understand because when you look at things from that moral dimension, it can feel like, oh, well, that's violating something that's sacred to me. That seems self-evidently wrong. Well, this is one of the things that's important to remember about the human condition is that your mind is like an illusion machine. You could, in fact, you, yes, even you, dear listener right now, who has all the right opinions, of course, could, in fact, be living in a delusional frame of mind and that all your, you know, kind of central sacred tenets that you believe in, that you've held dear for your whole life could actually be wrong. And as a matter of fact, that could be the thing that separates you from the people on the other side. They might be living in a sort of delusion. And if we come at this with this humility that we're all dealing with degrees of of illusion in our own minds, right? There are things that we have just kind of accepted because that's what you're supposed to do, or even things that we may have thought really hard about but come to the wrong conclusion. Just because you struggled with something and landed on a particular side doesn't mean that you're always going to hold that point of view. I mean, there was a time in which I was a very, very, very passionate religious person. I mean, I was, you know, all set to become a uh, Christian minister and I went in a different direction. Um, and if you had asked me at that time, I would not have been able to conceive of a reality in which I had gone down this whole other path. Uh, and this ability to question and the idea that questioning is itself sacred is the thing that kind of helped me move in a different direction. And now I, I look at spirituality in a very different light than I than I used to, a much more humanistic light. And, you know, who knows, maybe I'm more wrong than I ever was. But I, I like reminding myself that there are times in which I held, held the exact opposite opinion that I do now on, on a given topic. And I felt just as strongly about it then and just as certain as I do now that I think all of us should give ourselves room to evolve and room to be wrong, too. That goes to what you're saying, Hans. Like, we got to be OK with making mistakes. we got to be OK with being wrong. And just because you're wrong on something doesn't mean you're a sociopath doesn't mean you're evil, doesn't mean you're irredeemable, doesn't mean that it's the end of the road for you. You're canceled and you are evicted from polite society forever. We have to have a way to have a, a conversation in which people feel safe saying, well, I don't know. I disagree. Well, and yeah, you, you can't fight bad ideas without allowing people to change to kind of loop yeah. back to what I was saying there with like the snidely whiplash Dr. Doom thing is that like we have this image of like everybody who holds a bad opinion or a bad belief is a sociopath <laughs> or like a dangerous person. They're just evil to the core. And the reality is people don't believe bad things because they're just bad. I mean, overwhelmingly, they don't. Those kinds of people do maybe exist once in a blue moon. But the reality is people believe in bad things because they believe like deep down, like in their marrow, that those bad things are good. Yeah. And if we don't encourage them to question what they believe, they're not going to change. And you're never going to get rid of all the people who believe in bad things. So if you want to fight those ideas, you have to foster an environment that is transformative, that allows people to grow and evolve and change their minds and explore new ideas. And I think that's a big part of what we're about here, too. Well, and I think pushing that idea a little further as well, you know, I think another problem, I, maybe not a massive problem, but a problem I see frequently is part of where these 
quote unquote bad ideas start to foster is this kind of lack of nuance, right? We we don't ever actually dive into the details anymore, at least not frequently. You are on Twitter, you see a weird post. Well, there's a character limit. It's 240 characters. That's the end of it. There's no room in a post on Twitter for nuance. There's no room there. And to the point earlier, Ben, where you were talking about these different parties and the things, the way that things are different, and you just can't lump these groups together. That's where that idea of nuance becomes so very important. At least to me, that's always been kind of the crux of it to me is that if you aren't willing to dive into the details and you aren't willing to listen to those very specific details of these other arguments, these other ideas, well, how do you ever plan to change your own? How do you ever plan to evolve your own ideas? I think that Unfortunately, there tends to be almost this disgust or disdain for nuance these days. It's not okay anymore. We want a quick soundbite. We want a clip that can be played, something that can be rallied against, right? Instead of going, well, that clip is only a piece of a much larger conversation that needs to happen, you know? No, I think to that end, something to also keep in mind, kind of like piggybacking off of what you said and what Ben said and part of what James has said, is like it's not also just like knowing, you know, like what your I don't know I have to say, say opponent or enemy because I feel like you know conversations can, can be a little more collaborative than that but you know the stance of whoever it is you're talking to but I think it's also important to know the topic that you are both mutually talking about and also know your own research and your own topic because sometimes we you know I very much uh, get drawn into this very much get kind of like drawn into the zeitgeist that our current you know, whatever political party or whatever group you're associated with, and you just kind of like repeat whatever it is somebody else said, and you may not have like seen all the research, the details that go into those specific things. And that makes it hard to talk to somebody who, even if they are basically have the same amount of knowledge as you with their own side of the aisle, you know, neither of you know what you're talking about because nobody's actually like dug in and found that nuance in the data. Um, so I think we also, you know, we, we draw more conclusive, better arguments and solutions and, and stances based on what we actually learn from that and sharing, you know, all that knowledge. So I think like for me, like an example is I go through bursts of learning more about what's going on with coronavirus, but not always like keep myself currently up to date. But, you know, it's, 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 it's important to know all that if you want to engage in a conversation with, with other people. Um, like I've been forced to look more into how, you know, the tests that have been done with hydroxychloroquine or whatever going on. You guys know what I'm talking about, yeah. you know, you know, the drug. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that's a mess, but there's like just enough validity underneath of it that it's important to like see where these arguments are coming from for it. And that it's not just like a bunch of, you know, crackpots saying shit to help Trump get elected. So right. there, there, there's more to it than that. And if that's all you treat it as, it's, it's going to stall out right there. Like there's like very good specific reasons to make to like not put that information out in the public and tell them to take these drugs because that's dangerous. But not everybody kind of like understands like that, like those specifics, because I don't, you know, everybody like on the right, not everybody on the right, but you have these like very far right leaning publications on the Internet that just want to take like individual pieces and just spin them out of control and give them misinformation. Then all of a sudden everybody thinks they are, 
you know, somebody on the right thinks they are talking to a democratic standpoint that doesn't, you know, or, or a left or a liberal standpoint that doesn't actually exist. So I think being able to kind of like center everybody on that same correct information is important, too. Yeah, I think there's this tendency to kind of dismiss ideas and talk past each other, even when we're aggressively against a thing. Something I think about a lot is the way, like, look at um, just a few years ago, like the particularly insufferable subset of Internet atheists who were just constantly on about, like, you, you believe in an invisible sky man who's, right, who's not going to say right. he's not like, real. Or, the like, religious well guys, or the, like, the, the like, Bill Maher worshipping religious guy. Like, tooth fairy bullshit, where it's like, ah, it's like you believe in the tooth fairy. Well, no, it's fucking not, Ricky. Like, that's not the way it works. <laughs> like, you, you, the thing is, it, when you say shit like that, it alienates the people. Like, you're not getting through to anybody. You are, you know, to, to uh, use the term preaching to the choir, uh, in essence, like that, that's to rile up your fan base. That's to rile up people who already agree with you. But that's not going to convince anybody because the people who don't believe what you believe don't believe in the things that you're saying they believe in. And so you have to ask, what's the purpose of that? What's the point of that? What does that do? I think it's worth noting that spin has no party. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. But, this is uh, actually a really great example. I'm glad you brought up. Uh, this kind of like new atheist kind of thing. It's like aggressive. Oh, yeah. It's it's tied I'll to call everything. It evangelical atheism. I think yes. it's a really great mm-hmm. example because um Ben, I'm gonna bring it up. I have to bring it up if we're talking about the discourse. Oh, yeah. Fucking oh. Gamergate, man. All right, because right. this kind of flashpoint right. thing that happened back in 2013, 2014, uh some say it never ended. Anyway, so this event on the internet kind of split the new atheist community because you had the same style of argument being made by people on both sides of this issue and it spun wildly out of control because it was impossible for these folks to talk to each other because they lacked the rhetorical tools to actually have a meaningful conversation. They knew one style of argument and that was berate, deface, treat your opponent as ridiculous and worthy of contempt And if you do that enough, you will win. And when you apply that set of rules, both sides of this this charged argument, it ends up becoming attached to all these other things that have fuck all to do with gamers. Like, what the hell? But that's what happened with Gamergate. It, It became this this beast with its own kind of narrative because of these tropes that were present already in the communities that it kind of invested in. Like there's there's a decent you know, overlap between like new atheist YouTubers and gamers. And that was all it took for this thing to turn into a real ugly, nasty, bad time on the Internet. Hell, like a, a good half of the talking heads that were kind of um, egging this group on and and actively pushing this uh, this conflict and, and making it a thing to begin with were kind of in that new atheist uh, Twitter sphere or, or that new atheist YouTube sphere specifically. And like my, my purpose here isn't to like, you know, take pot shots at, at atheists and whatnot. Fuck you know, atheists. Like, no, I'm kidding. It, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, like, like my, my point here is that, um, I think, um, well, and you know, I got to bring it up. I, I think that kind of ties back to this Calvinist mindset that like, that's its own fucking episode that we'll eventually <laughs> get around to. But I think there is this element where, um, we kind of, treat like there's true believers the elect and then there's everybody that you don't actually have it is not your job to convince people like if you've ever had an argument on the internet and somebody's just like look it up 
you know, like in one, that's that's infuriating, and two, it's it's kind of a convenient dodge on two fronts. One, it means they don't have to have something to back up their argument to engage with you, but two, um, they're removing themselves from a situation where the burden of proof is something they have to actually explore. You know, they, they don't have to know what the other... the word of God? <laughs> yeah, like they, they don't have to thyself. know what the other side or what the, what they're talking about. They just have to know that people I agree with said this thing. Obviously it's true. There's plenty of evidence or else everybody I agree with wouldn't be saying it. So look it up, you lazy bum. And that's the way right, that they yeah. frame it. You know, it's, it's a self-defense mechanism for the mind. It's a retreat. And like everybody does that. Like you'll, you'll see, like if you're getting in arguments with like, you know, your aunt or uncle or, or, you know, whoever on Facebook or wherever, you may see that a lot. Um, but everybody does it, you know, like weird tweens on, uh, strange corners of like, Tumblr do it, you know, like it's everywhere. Back when Tumblr was a thing, you know, like it, it's it's all over the place. <laughs> now this Twitter is just is ingrained that's behavior. Twitter is even worse than ever. Yeah, well, that's the worst no, part because like Twitter is still like, nowhere near as pornographic as Tumblr was. That, that whole that whole uh, Gamergate fiasco be. was essentially. I was going to say um, I'm not against it, but then, invading <laughs> Twitter. And then we have Tumblr invading Twitter too. So now like 4chan and Tumblr are both just on Twitter, and mm. it's just constant it's everywhere um but yeah like i i guess the point with the whole uh this, this like the elect um idea in in calvinism is that essentially like god chooses who he chooses you're just saved by virtue of that um anybody who's gonna come around is gonna come around because that's his will you know it's it's the whole like predestination uh is the law of the land and I think we see this reflected in people like, say, Richard Dawkins, where Dawkins very much has this whole kind of like uh, Dawkins and his acolytes um, kind of come from a similar route, I think, where it's like, it's not my job to convince you. I don't have to like by debating you, I'm legitimizing you, which is an insane belief. Now, to be fair, it has something to do with the weird way we've kind of framed debate conceptually. That's that's a whole other rabbit hole. But uh, nevertheless, um, by engaging with ideas at all, we're seen as legitimizing them in this culture. And I think that's deeply toxic and dangerous because the fact of the matter is, if you want to kill bad ideas, you can't ignore them. Like, hey, you know what? Like, go have a debate with the creation science guys. Go have a debate with the climate science denier guys. You know, like if you don't air this stuff out, it's just going to continue to exist. We have to engage with each other. But I think we're so afraid that if I talk to somebody who believes different than me in public, I will be seen as impure or worse yet, maybe convinced of something and become impure. And so I cannot read their books. I cannot listen to yeah. their people. I cannot talk to their guys and convince them because down that path lies corruption. And that is wrong. Every part of that is wrong. Those ideas don't go away. They exist in their own bubble and you will do nothing to stop them if you don't engage. And you'll do nothing to draw yourself out of an environment, a bubble you may be in. And, um, and a note on that, too, is that it doesn't have to be so drastic as like, oh, those people are, are bad and and, you know, uh, totally, you know, beyond redemption in order for you to justify not looking into something for yourself. It can even be something as soft as like my political candidate didn't win in this primary. Ergo, I have no motivation to actually go look at the policies of the guy who did win and maybe take some things on board that, you know what, are actually pretty good. And it's something that I I talked about recently on the the Nerds for Humanity uh, 
uh, podcast, um, and we were talking about Joe Biden, obviously. And there's a lot of people you see it constantly on Twitter. This like Joe Biden doesn't even have any policies. Joe Biden and Trump are really just the same. And I'm sorry if you think that you just haven't done your fucking homework, man. Like, just go read the goddamn website. There are plenty of things to be critical about Joe Biden, like lots of things. Right. But it doesn't help you to be uh, not informed at all about what the hell this guy that you're criticizing actually thinks or what his platform really is. You know, what this reminds me of it's like how. I think again, people, you know, Christians, people on the right will criticize Muslims and, and Islam itself, but have no basis for what they're actually criticizing. It's something right. worth criticizing. But if you do not know what it is you're talking about with it, right. it it's, it's kind of useless. Right. And the reason right. why they don't read the Quran to find out what the hell it is that uh, Muslims actually believe is because if they did read it, they would get the ickies. And the ickies would right. make them like start writing in Arabic and they would start just singing at certain set hours of the day and they would not be able to stop it. And it's terrifying. It's like a zombie movie. This is what happens to see if you expose yourself to other ideas. They infect you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's also. Or, or, or the worse yet, they might realize that their hatred is even unfounded yeah. in a lot of ways. That if, if they right. see that. You know, like I think one of the most constructive things I ever did in college was we just went out and bought a a really nice study Quran. I've still got it. It's a great, great edition. And uh, I mean, I recommend everybody read that, especially because of uh, what a relevant um, sociopolitical topic it's been. Actually, like uh, religions are complicated. Ideas are complicated. And if we don't engage with them, um, you know, realistically, or if if we're going to like, it's one thing when it's a holy book and like everybody's got that kind of conditioning. It's another thing when we kind of treat political tomes as holy books. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I mean, I'm basically to the point where, like, it's that read another book meme for me, but for (laughs) DOS Capital, Mm -hmm. where, like, come on, okay, like, look, one, everybody should actually read that, I think. You should read that, and you should read The Wealth of Nations. We have this problem where, uh, right now, like, everybody's kind of projecting what they believe some of these ideologies are at each other, and it's just not constructive. Like, I hate to break it to you, but, like, from the people who kind of first sussed out what capitalism even was... It was observational. It, it's not like a textbook that says you have to screw people over all the time or else was, you don't appease the capitalist so I have to jump in. It's like, yeah, it's, it was like, this is how people operate. And if you work by this system, you'll actually increase health and happiness. Obviously, right. we still do some heinous shit with capitalism. But if you look at where oh, it yeah. came from, like what it right. evolved out of. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> yeah. You recognize yeah. a lot of evil is justified under the... Um, banner of capitalism and also maybe still take it upon yourself to learn what the fuck capitalism even yeah, is like, because a lot of the shit evolve. we're talking about like, capitalism needs to get better it has to get better I will say that till the day I die if it hasn't gotten better I, by then and it won't but I'm gonna say <laughs> I don't this even know that it's... but it's just like the feudal society that it came out of just like the messy economic system ruled by I mean, people just didn't know what they were doing because, there again, there wasn't that central theory for, for how everything actually fits right. together. There wasn't that lens. Like, fuck, when banks were invented, poverty went down. You would think that's unthinkable. You would think that, like, today you think banks are the root of all evil and they just suck up money from everybody else. But we invented the paper currency or coins, really, that and then fiat currency and, and, and then did it through banks. 
Like there is literally like data from that time period, like especially like in Ireland and of such just like such places of like death rates going down, like people who were going hungry and starving and just like that kind of like abject poverty went down. It's nuts. So So here's another here's another super interesting correlation like that. That's been I've been seeing it popping up lately here and there. Specifically, this one's a bit more off topic here, but about lead content and the the effects it has on the brain, we know very strongly. There's a lot of very strong evidence about lower IQs, higher rates of aggression, all these higher rates of crime and heavily lead laden places. And they have found that there is this almost perfect curve of 22 years after lead gas is outlawed in an air in a country that crime rates suddenly start dropping and they continue to drop longer and longer. So when we had the uh, all of the crime booms here in the U.S. all the way up through the 80s and into the early 90s, a lot of people originally were saying Giuliani and hard policing is why what changed that. Looking back at the data now, crime rates were actually dropping about three years prior to that, two to three years prior. And it perfectly lined up with when we outlawed leaded gas Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we have far less lead. And so now we're starting to see other countries that have already outlawed it. They're around that 20 year mark now and they're starting to see the same stuff. And so I think some of the most interesting stuff, you have a lot of issues in places like India right now with very heavy population, a lot of a lot of crime rates throughout parts of India. They outlawed leaded gas somewhere in that same time frame. It's it's a place to keep an eye on right now. I want to see what happens with their crime rates over the next couple of years, because there's a lot of evidence to support that. Now, of course, topic of conversation, right? We can't say that that is the exact reason why we can't say that that is perfectly what is going on. But I do think it's something very interesting to keep your eye on. And that's to me really encapsulate this idea we're kind of getting at today about shifting beliefs and shifting ideas. At one point, aggressive policing was believed to be the reason all of this went away in the US right. when it turns out and that was no, a bipartisan we stopped, thing. We literally stopped yeah. poising ourselves. It, yeah, and like, the Democrats that's part of the reason. Pretty hard. And, you know, it, obviously like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Like we, sure. we look at um the, you know, kind of tough on crime stance of the Clinton era that gave us the mass incarceration problem that we have today. Right. The reason right. why People supported that. And they the thing is, is that the communities that are most affected by it uh, today are, are the same communities that supported it because mm. it was the cutting edge evidence based policy of the time. They really sincerely believed this wasn't a plot. And then that's something that I think is it's really tempting. And, you know, we've mm-hmm. talked about conspiracy theories in the past, but basically it's just like looking at these negative uh, outcomes and ascribing malice to all of them. When in many cases, it's just people grasping at straws, trying to solve really big, almost unknowable problems that maybe we won't really fully understand until the science matures. And you know, honestly, we are just now getting to the point in which we are scientifically uh, literate enough as a society to have a more, you know, thorough evidence based take on why crime rates are the way that they are. And yeah, environmental factors like lead are are potentially mm-hmm. huge reasons why uh, crime was as bad as it, as it was. I mean, hell, there's even correlations 
uh, that people have suggested between the serial killer rash famously in the yes. 1960s through the 1980s that then begins to drop off a cliff as soon as lead gasoline is outlawed. And right. if you look at specifically... that data side by side, it's, it's a pretty compelling theory. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's just one of many uh, things that if you had talked to somebody who was like a, a top like FBI behavioral science person, you know, who their life's work is understanding why serial killers exist. They probably had not even thought about the lead angle because they right. were just acting under the knowledge that they had at the time. And I think, you know, not just giving uh, grace to people who are alive today or making decisions today or to the rest of us normal people, but I think also looking back on, on past societies and like not to excuse evils when they're perpetrated, but to understand how those evils developed. They, in many cases, did develop out of good intentions. In the case of mass incarceration, it's a mix of the racism that we know is an endemic problem and this well-intentioned, well, we got to do something about crime. And I, I suspect that we will see a similar hindsight uh, towards why it is that we're seeing all these mass shootings and why we have been so ineffectual in attempting to deal with them. Um, we have, you know, put cops into schools. We have, you know, put all this security in place and people still, you know, children are still killed in these, you know, mass shootings. And why does that continue to be the case? Well, like, well, is it because of the guns or the social factors? Well, it's kind of all of it. Like there there are these things are complicated. Any topic that, in which there's a division of opinion, there is a reason why that division of opinion exists. And it's not because one side is good, one side's evil. It's because people are maybe only seeing through the glass darkly, to quote Paul, right? They're seeing part of the picture. You're not seeing the full picture. And, you know, we should all kind of have patience with ourselves, I think, that if there's something that you don't quite understand why somebody disagrees with you on, you might not have the full picture. Before you rush to judgment about that person's motivations, Take the time, do the reading, try to understand more of it. And you might come out feeling even stronger about the opinion that you have today. And you might be right to do so. But it's worth taking the time to do your homework. Agree. Yeah. Well, and to that end, too, I think it's it's important for all of us to do that. Like, on the one hand, you know, um, like, I think it's true that a lot of people right now, especially like college age kids, you know, who are just getting into DSA and all that, need to actually read Wealth of Nations and books like that, actually understand, like, hey, what do capitalists have to say about capitalism? Like, other than this, like, it's not the Monopoly guy making all these rules, you know, like, that's not the way. <laughs> but, but the, like, the flip side of that is, like, hey, if you're, if you're a college Republican, do yourself a favor and you can thank me later. Uh, go to the bookstore and just buy the Communist Manifesto. It's tiny, I swear. You'll read through it really quick, and you'll be all the richer for it. Don't, because don't buy it's the worth... Communist Manifesto. Steal it. Walk out blasting the Soviet right. National Anthem as you do so. Right. Because and then share it with all of your book. friends. That is our book. God damn it. Right. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, like, here's here's the thing about that. Like, because after my, hey, capitalism isn't what you think it is, um, hot take is my even more controversial and edgy communism might even be kind of cool, but also doesn't exist to take. Right. Where, like, so I'm one of those guys, like, kind of like a lot of my American peers. I was brought up to not trust commies. 
The reason I don't trust commies is because they don't exist. Anybody who says they are a communist is lying to you because communism is like warp drive. If you actually read Marx, the point of it was that communism was kind of the evolutionary endpoint of a fully functioning socialist society. Wait, 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 wait. Last I checked. Are you saying late stage capitalism might just be communism? No, oh, okay. but uh, <laughs> right. but um, actually, but actually, is right missed. in a sense uh, because well, yeah, late stage capitalism like the is China state capitalism, sense. which is what the Soviets That's very were true. and what fucking China is today. Anyway, right. continue. Anyway. In fact, it's kind of conspicuous <laughs> that most self-avowed communists are in fact uh, ardent capitalists, as it happens, uh, because that is what late stage capitalism actually looks like. But I think um, what I'm getting at here is it's like warp drive. It's a cool idea. Anybody who tells you they have a car capable of warp drive in their garage is a huckster and you should be wary of them. Um, And it's that kind of situation where, like, you can't identify as a thing that doesn't exist. You know, like, it's nice to aspire to it. It's nice to have goals. But um, we have to realize that communism is a theory. It's not real. Um, The linchpin to it would arguably be consent. It's a utopian idea. Utopian ideals are cool. They're good. They're good things to have. I, for one, want that flashy Star Trek future. And I'm old enough that I remember when the meme was, you know, fully automated luxury gay space communism or whatever. Right. Here we are now where everybody's like idolizing this tanky, you know, like Eastern Bloc shit. And like, that's got to stop. Like that doesn't that doesn't work. That, That that's not cool. It doesn't make you edgy. And I hate to break it to you, anybody who takes control of a tiny nation and rules it for 57 years is more equal than the rest of you and not, in fact, your comrade. (laughs) Right. You know, they may not actually be a communist, which I know comes as a surprise. So I've got I've got two things to to bring up. One, I want to get back to the guy with the warp drive in his garage. I know he doesn't have the warp drive, but I do want to come check that out. You say I should be weary of him. (laughs) He sounds like a fun after. He sounds like a fun after. It could could be a time machine. And if it is, if it is a time machine, like on the way back to kill baby Hitler and or drop him off at art school. I think that um, it's important to swing by and just pop that dude who said a leopard cannot change its spots because that's. Really, the cause of so many of our problems today is this notion that people can't change. I, can't I just learn have to point ideas. out the irony of the fact that you kill the dude who said that people can't change, <laughs> while you do save Hitler under the premise right. that Hitler can change depending on different conditions. <laughs> right. I mean, look, I'm just going to allow this murder <laughs> for the sake of irony. Um, right. Look. Well, I, would, I wouldn't be human if I wasn't at least a little bit of a hypocrite, but I mean, outside of, okay, fine, we'll, we'll drop him off at art school, too. They can be art school buddies. It'll be, it'll be a nice little dramedy. All right. Well, I, I do we have any quick final thoughts so we can go around the table? I'll start with Adam. Uh, I don't think I do. I think we've been pretty thorough here, I guess, on the topic of do your homework, I suppose, is what we could kind of boil this stuff down to and that people can change. Um, It's also okay if you don't change their mind. Sometimes just getting that idea in front of them is enough. And maybe sometime down the line, they will incorporate that idea um, all of a sudden and, and they will realize something and maybe they will recognize that you are the one that told them that and maybe they won't. But the important thing is that uh, you presented this idea to them, hopefully without making them feel like shit, and then their mind actually might take it in. That's really hard to do, um, and you don't always have to do it. 
Uh, I don't want to be like, you need to make sure you're nice to people that, are, <laughs> that hate you. We're not trying to say this stuff. It's you just, are welcome uh, it to is, block people on Twitter. You are allowed. Yes. Like, you don't um, have to talk and you to don't always have to, <laughs> yeah, you don't always have to engage. But uh, <laughs> right. maybe just have some hope that if you just present the evidence, have a calm conversation, and then just, you know, end when the conversation seems to be done or you've made your point, that maybe some good change can come from that. For my part... It all kind of comes together in that we do have um, an obligation to each other to build the best society that we can. You know, we're all in this together, and that means allowing ourselves to grow and learn and reaching out to each other. Um, If there's any one big takeaway I've got from this episode beyond do the reading, you know, learn about the ideas that you're fighting against or learn about the ideas that are fighting against you in some cases because... You may be listening to this and maybe you're part of an ideology that's not so great and you've got to escape it. Um, you have to be allowed to explore to get there. And like bad ideas don't just die if they're ignored. They don't just die in darkness. Like I'm all for, you know, like, uh, you know, stripping power from bigots and making sure that they don't have a platform to hurt people. I, I believe in that, but you know what? Like you can't just shame bigots into changing because bigots all have friends. They have social circles that will back them up And the harder you hit them, the more shoulders they have to cry on that are going to throw them right back into the ring to fight you again. Um, there's, there's a better way um to, to you you can't just kill hate by ignoring it and you can't just like starve it of oxygen either it just doesn't work that way if it did we would have won already um like ultimately learning is the key and that means investing in um de-radicalization investing in um the sharing of of different ideas uh giving people space to explore to fuck up and grow uh, all of that matters. Uh, and if we don't figure that out sooner than later, we're not going to get anywhere. It sounds like a British insult, by the way. Fuck up and grow. Um, OK, Hans, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think my final piece here on it is that something I've learned over the years in working in tech is that the ability to say I don't know can go so far. Unfortunately, I think there is a lot of this today, a lot of push that you either have to be an expert or you have to be an idiot on a subject and there's nothing in between. And I think, again, to a lot of what we've talked about through this episode, the things we're trying to put out there is that it's also okay to have a third option that you are just a normal person on a subject that you know some things about it, but you don't know everything. It's always a good thing to strive to learn more about that subject if you care about it. Find all the details that you can. Get into it if it really means something to you. But at the end of the day, it's also totally fine to go, yeah, you know what? I actually don't know. What what do you know about this subject? Let's exchange information on this subject. Again, I think it's... Working in a technical field, there is a lot of people who really want to tell you they know more than they actually do because I think there's a weird inferiority complex in my field that tends to be somewhat rampant, but that's neither here nor there. To the point of it, I love saying I don't know. I think it's a great way to learn new things. It just means that there's something new I get to learn now. And I think all I can do is encourage all of you all, if you don't know, say you don't know. Find out about it. Learn more. You know? I don't know, Hans. It's also a pretty... 
pretty kick-ass Ozzy Osbourne song, if you ask me. I do know that. Um, yeah, I was aggressively nodding through that, Hans. Uh, could not agree more. Um, something that I, I embraced as a personal motto years ago was make better mistakes. Um, the reason why I like that uh, aphorism is because it's kind of the inverse of this pathological, in my mind, um, pursuit of perfection. Perfection, I mean, it's like communism. It doesn't exist. You know, it's this it's this way of setting yourself up against an ideal that can never be attained. And of course, you're going to be in this constant cycle of anxiety trying to reach it. But you're just mortal like the rest of us. You're just a person. You're just all of us. Even the experts are ultimately just normal people trying to do our best. And it's OK to make mistakes. It's OK to not know things. And instead of trying to get everything right, instead of trying to know everything there is to know, just make the best mistakes you can and know what you can and try to do a little bit better tomorrow and not in pursuit of perfection, but just because it feels good because it's it's a good thing for you. In the end, this is something that's going to improve your quality of life. It's going to help you navigate this complex world. It's going to help you make sense of some things that, you know, before maybe didn't make any sense at all. And that's really the best that we can hope for, because we are just normal people. We're not experts. And thanks for joining us uh, for this kind of inaugural episode of this rebooted version of the show, which is a little bit less lengthy. Obviously, we still talk for fucking ever. But, you know, we're, we're trying to we're trying to do better. OK, we're just making slightly <laughs> better, better mistakes. mistakes. Yeah. We're trying to make better mistakes. So exactly. I, I guess yeah, uh, we'll it. go ahead and, and plug things and we'll get out of here. Uh, I am uh, James Treacle at James Treacle on Twitter. Uh, Treacle Up is my YouTube channel, which I haven't updated in a long time because I've been busy uh, doing all kinds of work shit. Uh, <laughs> but I will get back on that horse, I promise. Uh, and uh, Adam, plug your stuff. Uh, I am Adam the Bailey or at Adam the Bailey on uh, Twitter. I don't tweet much. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I don't know that I have anything else to plug at the moment, chucking away on a bunch of other side projects, uh, some with people uh, here with me on the podcast. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything else to add. Ben? Yeah. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter.com at, at <laughs> Don't Ask Jeeves. But uh, I don't know why you would. You have you to go would. to the website. Uh, <laughs> HTTPS colon forward forward slash. You know, the, the app just doesn't cut it. That's that's for scrubs. Actually, you, know, you don't want to be that guy. Real talk, I use the I use uh, the mobile website like .com from my main account. I've got a shit post <laughs> account on my on my app that I have yet to swap. Oh, this is I didn't know you had this oh dark God. side. That's that's intriguing. See, you learn mm -hmm. something new every day. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, Hans. Um you'll find me on Twitter at Hans Jaeger90. Uh about the only thing plugging. We have a new podcast coming out soon. Ben and I, uh, Bargain Ben Connoisseurs, uh, should be up here shortly. Uh, you can come visit a website that's under construction, bargainbenpod.com. Hopefully we'll uh, see you over there at some point. Oh, Ben, did you Someday actually a house get, will be built here. Did, did you actually get to like mention your handle before we totally derailed that Twitter conversation? <laughs> oh, no, I totally did. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you said that. Uh, don't ask Jeeves. Jeeves. But it, it, it's better if they don't know. When you think about it. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
All right, so that's the note we'll leave you with. Keep yourself ignorant, uh, at least about Ben's Twitter handle. Uh, you'll thank yourself <laughs> later. Anyway, okay, please support us on Patreon, too. Patreon.com slash James Trecall. Yeah, if you feel like it, uh, we do appreciate it. It definitely helps uh, cover the expenses of hosting, etc. cetera. Uh, and it will help us. Uh, it maybe will encourage us to do this more often. You never know. Uh, so thanks, y'all. <laughs> and we will catch you on the flip side.